VegCast. This is VegCast 34. VegCast. Bringing you that full menu and more. Hello everybody, this is Vance coming at you with another VegCast. And yes, it is almost Thanksgiving. And if you're a regular VegCast listener, you know that when Thanksgiving rolls around as a podcast for vegetarians, we tend to zag as the rest of the culture zigs and do something that's uh, a little bit of a change-up. Well, this time out we have on the show the Santo Molina, registered dietitian and world-renowned uh, cookbook author, guidebook author of uh, Becoming Vegetarian, Becoming Vegan, and so forth. She's going to talk about doing without on Thanksgiving and throughout the year, and doing without not just meat and or dairy products, but doing without some of the things that vegetarians and vegans come to depend on, such as soy and wheat, and what can be substituted for those. We have a lively discussion. She's a uh, wonderful speaker and has a great sense of humor, and we'll be getting to that soon. Uh, we also have coming your way a science fact about an ever more definitive link between meat eating and cancer. And uh, we will be skipping the music segment for reasons that I'm about to explain. But sit back and enjoy this VegCast brought to you by Temptation Vegan Ice Cream, the world's greatest non-dairy ice cream made on dedicated vegan equipment by dedicated vegans. Veg. Hey, what was that? Did I just hear an ad on VegCast? Well, yes, folks, welcome to the new era, if you will, from this episode onward. VegCast will be sponsored, and the reason for that is that podcasts uh, as MP3 files take up a lot of space on web servers. And when I started VegCast a couple of years ago, I somehow thought that I would rotate off the older podcasts and put the new ones on. And uh, as I look at the web traffic, I am constantly finding people who are uh, looking at those older podcasts, and I don't want to leave them out in the cold. So I keep on having to put more and more uh, MP3s on there and taking up more space, and it costs money. So it was getting to the point uh, where this was an extremely expensive hobby of mine, and I have to do something to pay those bills. So I have looked for a sponsor that I could uh, get behind, at least start out with. And uh, the boys at Temptation Vegan Ice Cream uh, were just the ticket. It's an ice cream that I've had and enjoyed. In fact, uh, just this past weekend, I had a pint of uh, mint chocolate chip. And uh, so for every sponsor that we have, uh, we will have a Meet the Sponsor segment. And we're going to do that right now, talking to Dan and Ryan, the guys that started Temptation Vegan Ice Cream, and perhaps get a little insight into the sponsor. Let's go to that now. Okay, right now on VegCast, a new and special segment. It's Meet the Sponsor. Our first sponsor for a VegCast uh, will be Temptation Vegan Ice Cream. And right now on the phone, we have the directors of that company, Ryan Howard and Dan Ziegler. Welcome to VegCast, guys. Thank, thank you. Good to be here. And it's great to have you. I just wanted to uh, check in with you about Temptation Vegan Ice Cream. It's something that I've had and enjoyed. Can you give our listeners a little uh, overview of uh, what the product is, how you got into selling it? Sure. Uh, Temptation 
Temptation is, we claim it to be the only real vegan ice cream. We started out as a soy milk company in Chicago. And uh, being a small company, we can, you know, kind of change direction on a dime. So when one of our customers asked us if we did ice cream, we said, yeah, even though we had never made ice cream before or anything. <laughs> so we just went back to our lab, which at the time was my kitchen, and, and uh, developed an ice cream. We were pretty close off the first... Uh, of our first uh, experiment. Yeah, it hasn't really, the recipe hasn't changed too much since that first time. Yeah, so we were really lucky in, you know, getting it getting it down, and we, we basically won it. We were, we were pretty disappointed with all of the other brands and still kind of are. Um, now, when you say you're disappointed, do uh, you mean in the flavor or in their lack of being totally vegan? I assume you're saying that's because they're they're made on uh, equipment that's shared with, uh, with other dairy ice creams or something like that. Right, yeah. I, it, it, was a, it was a general... There's a general look of shame and disappointment. <laughs> okay, just it. Uh, <laughs> you're absolutely right. Like the, the flavor wasn't good, and we were looking. I mean, we, you know, both Dan's been vegan for 15 years. I've been vegan for 14 years, and you know, it's like we, you know, we'd seen every soy ice cream come and go, and um, just, you know, just thought that the flavor was the flavor and consistency was not good enough in order to help you know, help get people off real dairy ice cream. People who weren't too into the ethics of it, you know, and really needed replacement foods. Right. We felt like the other guys just weren't cutting it. And, you know, ultimately, if someone's eating your ice cream over a dairy ice cream, you know, you're you're helping to uh, defer an animal's life there, you know. So, yeah, and, and then the other aspect, but the, more, the more, you know, we got into this business, the more we realized that, you know, all of these companies are contracting their products out to dairies, and no way can I, you know, that some of these products are even, you know, even have a label, like certified vegan, and to me, you know, maybe, maybe because I'm, you know, kind of an old staunch vegan, maybe I just see veganism differently, but my interpretation is that, you know, you can't, uh, you know, a company, a company that supports dairy you know, is not something that would be too in line with vegan ideals. And if if a if every time you buy a pint of, you know, one of our competitors' uh, ice creams, you know, a, a portion of that is indeed going to a dairy, you know, which in turn supports veal. You know, if there wasn't dairy, you know, there wouldn't be veal. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. you know, it, it's just, you know, disguised behind, a, a you know, a happy organic soy product, you know, but there's a lot more to it, you know, as there are in other industries. So, I mean, as we know, uh, some famous uh, soy milks and so forth have gotten bought out by dairy companies. And you guys, now you sound like you're going you're gonna, to uh, resist that, uh, that tide when you grow bigger and bigger and bigger. And finally, Dean Food says, you know, let's, uh, let's get a piece of this temptation action. You're, you're going to resist, right? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, we also have the, I mean, the bonus here is that everyone, you know, everyone here is vegan. Everyone who works for us is vegan. Um, these other companies, you know, they're... You know, for the most part, it was people who had, you know, possibly vegetarian tendencies, but more likely were just, you know, people who, you know, think health foods are cool and, you know, is a hot market to invest in and stuff like that. And, you know, it's not about that so much for us. It's 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 more so about the ethics of it and about providing a high-quality product, you know, that people who we identify with, you know, other vegans can really enjoy. Yeah, we were, we started out as being vegan consumers ourselves and being critical of all these companies. So, I mean, we are our customer. 
And so you uh-huh. know, we can easily be critical of ourselves the way we were critical of other companies and do things the way we think you know, we would want them done. Okay. But when it comes time to you know, sell out or whatever, I mean, we're not, you know, j- just like we're not going to start wearing fur because we're the guys on the, you know, on the protest line. Right. Not going to be the ones taking, you know, taking the money from a dairy. Okay. And just uh, as a quick overview, uh, how many flavors are there available of Temptation? In retail, there are eight, but we also have food service sizes available in places like New York City, restaurants there, a bunch of restaurants there are using our three-gallon containers now. We have right. around between, you know, depending on the season, between 14 and 16 different flavors. And are you guys, are you cooking up new things now? Is there any, do you have any, uh, uh, any hints as to what we may look forward to uh, in the future from Temptation? I, I actually have been developing, um, when I have time, which is not a whole lot, but uh, something called Triple Threat Chocolate and Chocolate Incredible, and uh, wow. that's all I'll go into that. Okay. I don't want to give anything away because Ben and Jerry's already stole our peach cobbler idea. Yeah, they did. Oh, right. And also remember, you know, like we're the only ones who are doing anything with Fairtrade certified products as well. Like we have a Fairtrade certified coffee, a fidget certified green tea, and uh, chocolate as well. And I mean, you know, we're the smallest soil ice cream company out there, but I really think that it speaks to our, our, you know, our stand for the ethical side of our business that we're using Fairtrade certified products, even though, you know, our, you know, we, we don't make as much money as these other guys. There's no excuse for them not to be doing it either, you know, except for right. profit margins. Right. Okay, great. And so uh, if people want to find out more about that, they can go to your site, uh, www.welovesoy.com. Is that right? That's absolutely right. And also, if our product is not available on shelves near you, uh, the first thing to do is certainly is to ask. Um, you can also call your local or your regional office of Whole Foods, which is probably the best thing to do because the more they hear about it, the higher the chances that the distributor will then bring it into the area, which will then in turn allow the independent health food stores to pick it up, uh-huh. which is awesome. But also, uh, on our website, in our online store, we have a home ice cream mix, which is a lot of fun to use. You can put your own ingredients in, creates a great a great home ice cream, um, tastes homemade if you have a, uh, an ice cream maker. Also, the, the, um, the chocolate... Home ice cream mix makes a great hot cocoa. <laughs> okay. Great. Boy, it's, it's, uh, it, it waxes floors. It, uh, <laughs> it can do anything, it seems Absolutely. like. Absolutely. Great. Well, uh, that's great, and I want to welcome you aboard VegCast and uh, look forward to, uh, to the shows that will be, we'll be touting Temptation and Eating Temptation and everything else, and Ryan Howard and Dan Ziegler. Uh, I wish you all success with Temptation. And again, thanks for being on VegCast. Thanks, Ron. Thanks for your support. Okay, great. VegCast. Okay, as I mentioned at the outset, for this episode, this episode only, we are going to be skipping the music to make room for that special first meet sponsor interview. Uh, But now we're going to be going straight away right over to our featured interview with Vicento Molina. Take it away, Vance. Right now on VegCast, we have with us by phone dietitian and author Vicento Molina. Vicento, welcome to VegCast. Thank you very much. And I wanted to talk to you today about uh, Thanksgiving and the holiday season in general because uh, especially Thanksgiving is a holiday about eating and eating a lot of stuff and eating a lot of foods that are not necessarily particularly good for you. Um, and you have a book that I wanted to key in on, uh, which you wrote uh, along with Joe Stepaniak and Ina Aronson called The Food Allergy Survival Guide. Is that right? That's 
That's right. And so for some people, it's it's just enough that we don't eat meat. And, you know, we go and have to sit with our family and uh, try to come up with strategies to deal with the fact that they're eating meat and they're wanting to talk about us not eating meat and so forth. But there are people that, that have additional things that they have to deal with if they, uh, first of all, are vegan. And second of all, they may be allergic to something or have uh, some other kind of problem with foods that vegans just take for granted, like wheat or soy. Um, can you talk a little about how uh, how people can deal with that, you know, in the in these particular holiday situations, and then we can talk more generally about. That's right. It's a challenge for a lot of families. They may have somebody who has dietary guidelines for reducing risk of cardiovascular disease, diabetes, or cancer. We may have vegetarians in the family and non-vegetarians. We may have people with food sensitivities. And then we wonder how to create festive menus for all these people. And uh, you want to have really good food, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have to eat things that are terribly unhealthy. And, And there are lots of wonderful foods that we can choose. And people often think of the holiday season kind of like a wonderful festive time, but it's also with a bit of dread because you know you're going to add five pounds and then it takes a lot of exercise in afterwards to burn <laughs> that off. And so right. um, we can talk a little bit about how to have really healthful things that are delicious and are appealing to a variety of people, including people with um, maybe food sensitivities or who are vegetarian. Well, if we could if we could start with one, I guess my key question would be, um, you know, a, a real short answer to the answer to the question: uh, Where do you get your protein? Uh, for a lot of uh, vegetarians, I would imagine is soy, and yet there are uh, there are a great many people who have soy allergies, uh, and it's just soy seems like such a convenient food to get so, uh, some proteins and some vitamins and stuff that you need. Uh, is there are there particular uh, strategies for replacing soy with one given kind of food, or do you have to, like, cobble together a bunch of, of things? Or is soy basically something that would is completely unnecessary and we just kind of use it as a crutch? Well, some people might want to use soy, you know, have some marinated tofu, marinated soy, that kind of thing. Some people want to purchase something like, called a tofurkey, which is based on grains and soy. And some people would like to use something like a lentil loaf, like have a healthful food that's rather simple and basic. Other people will use a nut roast. One of the really favorite things that people do that's quite pretty is have a stuffed squash at Thanksgiving or in the holiday season. Mm -hmm. And it can be a real centerpiece. For example, you could have a three-pound buttercup squash and fill that with a, a couple of different grains that are cooked in sautéed onions and a bit of seasoning. And it's really pretty, and you can have have that sliced. People can enjoy a slice of it, and it's got a plentiful protein. And then you can have a gravy that's just made out of onions and flour, and you can use a gluten-free flour for some sorts of people and have some seasonings because a lot of what we think of at the holiday time is the the seasonings, the sage. That's what we really smell. And so Mm -hmm. you can do it a lot of different ways. I I guess I shouldn't use myself as an example of the ignorance of the common man, but uh, 
I, when I think of squash, I don't think of a, a protein food, but I think of soy as a protein food, and, and might that be because I've, I've become conditioned to thinking of, uh, you know, a certain amount of protein that we need, which is already kind of excessive, and moving over to vegetarianism and veganism, maybe we carry that uh, kind of prejudice along with us. Or is squash just as rich in protein a, as soy? Well, it isn't so rich in protein. Um, it's not as high in protein, but usually we're eating about twice the protein we need. Right, okay. Not like people are going protein deficient in this culture. And actually grains, which this squash might be stuffed with, provi- provide half the world's protein. Okay. The, the world actually relies on on rice and millet and and wheat and all these grains for protein, 51% of the world's protein. So... Um, we we have to think a little bit differently. The foods that we think of as high-protein foods that are animal products, usually they're actually high in protein and very high in fat. Right. Probably the fat that we're, we're really aware of and our taste buds are craving. Um, so basically it is that I'm still thinking of the amount of protein that we need as based on that those kind of unrealistic levels. But... Um, for moving over to grains, as you said, uh, wheat is certainly you know something that I enjoy in the form of seitan, and uh, it seems mm-hmm. like that can be a good one. Yeah, uh, but it, it seems like I'm meeting more vegans now who say that they've they've found that they ha- they have a wheat sensitivity, and I'm wondering is that is that something that is just maybe latent in people or that they that they start eating more seitan and they, they develop it like an allergy? Or or is this, am I just, uh, I happen to have met more people recently? Or what is there something going on there? Well, I think you're right on about the wheat sensitivities. We find in North America that approximately 1% of the world's, of the North American population has actual celiac disease, which is a severe wheat allergy. Right. Or it's uh, similar to an allergy. And then other people, way beyond that, have sensitivities that aren't quite as severe. So that's that's a pretty high number of people, 1% of the general population with a really severe form, and then many, many more that have a milder form. And But what we can do is eat other kinds of grains, and it takes a bit of sorting out to figure out what those are. In our food allergy survival guide, we show people some really tasty recipes using grains like quinoa and wild rice and different forms of rice. There are actually a lot of different rices, and there's millet and amaranth. So in South America, they have one type. In Asia, they have a couple of grains that they use, and and it turns out there's really a lot. And then there's buckwheat used in Russia, so we can open doors to many new types of grains, but um, we aren't quite sure why there are so many people. Uh, maybe it's a different diagnosis. Maybe the strains of wheat that are being produced uh, make people more sensitive. Um, you know, there's been a lot of changes in the types of crops grown. Anyway, there certainly are a lot of people that are reacting this way, and uh, the Food Allergy Survival Guide, we actually made the whole book without the top eight allergens. And that's uh, entirely free of wheat and gluten, of dairy products, eggs, fish, peanuts, shellfish, soy, tree nuts. And um, yet people can still have wonderful food. And um, 
and have it taste good and meet their nutritional requirements. Well, can let's can you give us uh, just one example of a recipe? I mean, for for a lot of us, it seems like y- y- the stuff that you list. I mean, I, I don't eat shellfish, obviously, but right. uh, you you try to. You take one away, and then we think, oh, well, I could, I could still have that. But then you take that away, and you keep on taking it away. And, and I know. It, it, <laughs> I, think what's I, I realize it's, it's like I'm a meat eater again because I'm, I'm looking at this, this lack and saying, well, how can you possibly get anything to eat without that? <laughs> but what, what, could you give us some examples so we can have a more concrete uh, you know, sense of, of what would be what's left to enjoy there? Right, and it's not just concrete. (laughs) You're left with really good food. Okay, so um, people can bake with flours that are wheat-free and gluten-free, and they can use something like chickpea flour. That's garbanzo beans. Um, There are flours available at natural food stores and in East Indian stores, and then they mix that with a couple of lighter flours, and they actually get a delicious tasting baked product from that. Hmm. You can have, for example, pumpkin spice bread or scones or different foods like that. Mm-hmm. So um, we can make, in, in our food allergy survival guide, there are macaroons and a white cake and lots of different things like that. Then okay. for our breakfasts, um, we can have slow-cooked grains. You can use a, a mix of a couple of different grains um, you can have mueslis that are made with these gluten-free grains. And then for lunch, there are a lot of different spreads that we can have, and we can put those on rice cakes, um, like, like hummus. But we can use different white beans, black beans, red beans mm-hmm. to make spreads and get quite significant amounts of protein, you know, kind of like your sandwich at lunch. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there are a lot of grain salads. But um, sometimes, for example, a yellow rice and black bean salad is a favorite one, or a tasty taco salad, a ruby wild rice salad. These are all in the Food Allergy Survival Guide. And so about half of this book, and it's a pretty, pretty hefty book, is recipes, but free of all the major allergens. So it's good for people that have even a couple of allergies. Right. And they may find that they they can do without, and they may expose themselves to... Uh, some other foods they, they hadn't even tried. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so I, I sometimes have people come as clients or um, have them at a distance. I do consultations by email and fax and phone, and people are just devastated. You know, thinking, gee, I, all my best friends food-wise are cut out of my diet. I've just been handed this um, devastating list of foods to avoid. Right. And then they start discovering that there are actually some wonderful foods they've never even tried before. And sometimes it can mean that people are shifting towards foods that are even more healthful because a lot of the fruits and vegetables and, and the simple grains are very healthful. They have uh, plenty of protective phytochemicals, you know, all the things that make vegetables and fruits yellow, orange, and green, and red. Those are all very healthy and right. protect us from disease. So things can actually turn out pretty good in the long run. Well, just in terms of moving uh, away from foods that are not necessarily of optimal health, that makes me, I have to return to uh, the one I started, which uh, which is soy. And uh, there's constantly, it seems like it comes in waves, that there's... Uh, the media picks up this soy, uh, this anti-soy kind of uh, scaremongering 
uh, thread and then lets it drop for a while. And it, it just seemed like it flared up a couple months ago again. So I, I got to ask you, is there, you know, is soy really something that uh, we should we should eat, uh, you know, in in extreme moderation? Or is is it something that, you know, the people that are complaining about it are generally just trying to get people to stop eating vegetarian? <laughs> Extreme moderation is a good phrase. I like that one. Extreme moderation. <laughs> yeah. um, no, people don't need to avoid soy at all. And I think there are various websites. If you trace back where they came from, some of these rumors, they, they often have strong links with the dairy industry. Right. You, you look at that. But um, soy foods can lead to food sensitivities, just like any high-protein food. You know, dairy can lead to food allergies, food sensitivities, so can eggs, so can fish, and soy can for a few people. Mm-hmm. Okay. For most of us, soy is a very valuable food, and it can be extremely important for children. It's got a, an excellent balance of, of protein, fat, and carbohydrate for growing children or to be the hearty center of a meal. And so um, people wouldn't want to make it the only thing in their diet, that's for sure, but nothing should be. And so it's something to include. And then for people that are trying to be on the slim side, there are plenty of other beans that are really valuable too and that are much lower in fat. So it's good to have an assortment of those things. Right. Okay. Well, uh, we've just about run out of time, but uh, I want you to let us know your website. So if any listeners uh, want to follow up on this, not just to uh, look for the food survival guide, but get any other uh, tips you may have available, where would they go? Oh, good. Okay. My website is Nutrispeak.com. That's N-U-T-R-I-S-P-E-A-K.com. And we also have a website for the book, The Food Allergy Survival Guide. And the books that I am co-author of are The Food Allergy Survival Guide, Becoming Vegan, and The New Becoming Vegetarian. And I wish everybody a wonderful holiday season. Okay, great. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us on VegCast. And uh, once again, uh, Vasanta Molina, thank you very much. All right. Our science fact for this VegCast. Major new study strongly links meat consumption to cancer. Says USA Today, reporting on a study from the American Institute for Cancer Research and the World Cancer Research Fund. Uh, This article advises you to, quote, forget eating bacon, sausage, and lunch meat. No amount is considered completely safe, according to the analysis. Uh, from the AICR and WCRF. An international panel of experts reviewed more than 7,000 large-scale studies and spent five years developing the report. Uh, In addition to finding a link between cancer and obesity, the report also found, quote, every 1.7 ounces of processed meat consumed a day increases the risk of colorectal cancer by 21%. This is a wake-up call for people who eat hot dogs or pepperoni pizza regularly. Collins, that's Karen Collins, a Cancer Institute nutrition advisor, says they need to be looking for other alternatives. Uh, That also says the evidence linking red meat intake, beef, pork, and lamb, to colorectal cancer is more convincing than it was a decade ago. The report says it advises limiting red meat to 18 ounces of cooked meat 
a week. And let's just, uh, if we were going to be charitable and suggest that uh, you could get by with that, uh, that's assuming that Americans would be able to have one serving, uh, which is uh, generally recognized one serving of meat, three ounces, one serving of red meat per day, uh, and then go for six days and have to have one day without any red meat whatsoever. So uh, we'll be watching for that to happen any day now in terms of uh, Americans doing that and, of course, cutting out all of the processed meats, of which there is no safe amount. And, again, uh, I just report these. These come in. This is a peer-reviewed study. Uh, I'm not suggesting that this is actually going to drive any change among the American public. But let's just bear this in mind the next time we have another uh, scare-mongering episode about vegan parenting. Remembering that according to these scientists, any parent who is giving their child sausage or hot dogs or bologna for lunch is giving them something uh, that has been shown to cause cancer of which there is no safe level. That's not my opinion. That's not the reporter's opinion. That is what the science says. And the science tells us that when we pay attention to the science fact. All right, that's going to do it for this VegCast sponsored by Temptation Vegan Ice Cream, the world's greatest non-dairy ice cream made on dedicated vegan equipment by dedicated vegans. And if you are interested in sponsorship, opportunities on upcoming VegCasts. Listen up, because this is the only time I'm going to take up podcast time for this announcement. Uh, you can email me at vance at vegcast.com. Uh, obviously, I am not going to accept sponsorships from any companies that uh, produce products involving uh, parts of animals or the exploitation of animals, uh, but there are a lot of companies out there that are doing good work that uh, need more exposure and that's part of our mission here so let me hear from you if you are interested Okay, that is going to do it. Uh, the next VegCast, VegCast 35, will be out uh, before the end of November. We will still have two VegCasts in November, so tune into that. And the music, of course, will be back. And, in fact, there will be an interesting announcement about somebody who's become uh, somewhat of a VegCast staple. So be sure to tune in for that. My thanks to Vicento Molina for talking to us about uh, various food sensitivities and recipes to avoid those. Thanks, of course, to Dan and Ryan at Temptation Ice Cream, and thanks to you for getting out there and living like you mean it.